You ever watch this guy on television? You all were not telling the truth, and you should not be trusted. Congressman Matt Gates, thank you for what you yeah. did for your country tonight. Be offended with the Democratic whip, not House Republicans. Like a machine, Matt Gates. Welcome to Hot Takes. This is Congressman Matt Gates. Let's talk about the news. And the news in America today is that the beatings and stabbings and destruction of people and property and dreams and livelihoods continue across this great country. While there's no doubt that reasonable and peaceful protest is an acceptable endeavor, what we see falls far away from that. This is not political speech. This is the destruction of our order and our society and our way of life. Tucker Carlson tonight reports on it accurately. No one has bothered to pull the guys beating up old ladies on the street or looting Gucci, but you've got to wonder how many of them have ever even heard of George Floyd. And if they have heard of him, what difference would it make? Violence and looting are not forms of political expression. If you were killed tomorrow, how many buildings would you want burned to the ground in your memory? How many old women smashed in the face on the street in your name? None, we hope, because you're not a vicious psychopath. In fact, what we're watching is not a political protest. It's the opposite of a political protest. It is an attack on the idea of politics. The rioters you have seen are trying to topple our political system. That system is how we resolve our differences without using violence. And so things are bad. And normally when things are challenging in our country, we turn to those who provide leadership and comfort to be able to bring solutions and opportunity. But one area where we've seen a real departure from that sense of patriotism and common good is in our social media platforms. And I'm speaking specifically of Twitter, where it appears I've made some news. On the podcast yesterday, I talked about how the Attorney General of the United States designated Antifa a terrorist organization. And by the way, that's real and just and proper, and it should have been done long ago. Because these riots that you're seeing, not the chants, not the peaceful protests, but the actual riots where folks are being harmed, where their storefronts are being torn down and smashed. In those circumstances, you are not watching something that is organic, that just occurred out of the blue. Organizers, professional anarchists go out of their way to ensure that the vulnerable are picked on, that the weak, that the people who don't have the ability to maybe stand up and protect their own property or their business or themselves are made examples of for some cause that is in no way served by this violence. And so uh, I was grateful to hear Terrence Floyd, the brother of George Floyd, step out and say that these activities, these uh, burnings and attacks, they do nothing to honor the life of his brother and he's calling on him to stop. I understand y'all upset. But like it was already said, I doubt y'all half as upset as I am. So if I'm not over here wilding out, if I'm not over here blowing up stuff, if I'm not over here messing up my community, then what are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? Y'all doing nothing because that's not going to bring my brother back at all. And so clearly the victim's family doesn't want to see people engaged in professional protest. And clearly the Department of Justice and the Trump administration is using every tool in their disposal by designating Antifa a terrorist organization to stop it. And so I took to Twitter and issued the following tweet. 
Now that we clearly see Antifa as terrorists, can we hunt them down like we hunt those in the Middle East? As listeners of the podcast know, as those who follow my work in the Congress know, I am no fan of the endless unconstitutional wars in the Middle East carried out by our government. And it is absolutely my belief that the businesses, that the people in our country are far more deserving of our protection than some tribe that has a temporary alliance and no alignment of values with us does in the Middle East. And I think it's worth mentioning that our obligation as leaders is to our own people, to our own country. And when we see this type of violence and disruption of the social order against our country, we have an opportunity to act, to actually do something about it. And I wanted to lend my voice to that discussion. And oh boy, did I trigger the left. U.S. Senator Chris Murphy came out on the attack. He said, take the Gates tweet down right now, Twitter. The survivors of mass shootings are lighting up my phone. They're scared to death that this will inspire someone to start shooting into a crowd tonight, and they are right. So I guess the fact that the night ended and no one was shooting into a crowd citing the inspiration of my tweet clearly proves Chris Murphy to be wrong and an alarmist, and frankly, someone that I think is is largely taking to the woke virtue signaling script that so many in the left seem to deploy in a time of crisis. And that's why I replied to Chris Murphy, spare me your woke virtue signaling. Every real Democrat ran for president and you ran to Twitter. Governments go after terrorists. Individuals don't. We, the government, should continue to do so. And Antifa is rightly on the list. And of course, I'm speaking to the list of terrorist organizations. And then I admonish Senator Murphy, speak against riots hurting Americans. And that's, I think, what really draws into contrast the political discussion that we're having in this country right now. You know, I am out there saying Antifa is a terrorist organization and we ought to use the tools not of vigilantes, but of the government. We ought to use the ability to seize their assets, to be able to track their movements, to be able to stop them from attacking people and hurting people. And by the way, that precise sentiment that I reflected on, that I called for, is what our great president spoke about in uh, an address to the country from the White House. Here's President Trump speaking about the strong actions he's taking, not only to designate groups like Antifa as terrorist organizations, but to do something about it and go after them. Here's President Trump. I am taking immediate presidential action to stop the violence and restore security and safety in America. Today, I have strongly recommended to every governor to deploy the National Guard in sufficient numbers that we dominate the streets. Mayors and governors must establish an overwhelming law enforcement presence until the violence has been quelled. If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them. I want the organizers of this terror to be on notice that you will face severe criminal penalties and lengthy sentences in jail. This includes Antifa and others who are leading instigators of this violence. So despite the fact that I took a position that was almost entirely line by line consistent with that of the President of the United States, 
who has been elected by tens of millions of Americans, despite the fact that I was elected by my constituents to serve them in the Congress, Twitter decides that they're going to be the thought police and they issue a tag or a label to my tweet. It says, this tweet violated the Twitter rules about glorifying violence. However, Twitter has determined that it may be in the public's interest for the tweet to remain accessible. Whatever that means, because you know what they didn't remain accessible? The interactions and responses of people who wanted to share my content, who wanted to like it. There were tens of thousands of retweets of the message that I shared about Antifa being a terrorist organization and being absolutely worthy of being hunted down by our government. But they removed those tweets. We had over 100,000 likes on that tweet that I sent. Twitter removed those likes. Instead, all they did was leave the comment section, which you know predominantly includes the blue jackpot brigade that is absolutely incensed that I would call for you know some accountability and condemnation of these Antifa entities. And so I make no apology for the fact that Antifa should be in fact hunted down by our government. I don't think that people should ever take justice into their own hands, but undoubtedly they're taking their safety into their own hands. In Santa Monica, we saw reporting that even in liberal California, store owners were having to stand outside of their retail establishments with firearms to try to deter the violence that was occurring. And it seems troubling to me that Twitter would be so afraid that what I've said about preemptively stopping the organizers of the attacks uh, being a priority. They're so troubled by that that they don't want you to know how many tens of thousands or even more than 100,000 Americans were supportive of that and wanted other people to share that precise perspective. Twitter has issued warnings or condemnations or bans to content uh, in only two cases in the United States Congress, in my experience. They did it initially to U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn when she was in the House of Representatives. She had criticized Planned Parenthood for offering to sell the parts of unborn babies that had aborted. By the way, she was entirely right to offer that criticism, but Twitter was just too woke to handle it, and so they censored her content. By the way, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to her in her U.S. Senate campaign because so many people ended up seeing it that they saw she was a true fighter and elected her to the Senate. And now I guess I'm the second chance that they think that they have to make an example. Well, I'll tell you this. I wear Twitter's warning as a badge of honor. Antifa is a terrorist organization, and I'm not afraid to tell the truth about it, and neither is the Trump administration. These are riots. They're hurting Americans. They're hurting real people, blue-collar people, people like the folks that I care about who just want to have a chance in this country to be successful and who deserve every right to that success if they're willing to work hard and play by the rules to achieve it. Our government should hunt down these Antifa organizers and the organizers of any group that is encouraging violence or harm to our police or to our businesses. And I will not be afraid to continue saying it on Twitter, on this podcast, on television, on every platform that I am able to access, including the floor of the House of Representatives. You know why? Because it's true. It's 100% true that these are not organic protests. These are not circumstances where people are simply showing up and then independently all at once deciding to throw things or attack cops or try to create some senseless act of disruption or chaos. No, they know what they're doing when they go there. 
Many of them have been recruited from outside the areas where the protests are even occurring so that they have the opportunity to export violence to other areas of this country. And I won't stand for it. I don't think our country should stand for it. Certainly, our president won't stand for it. And that's why I'm grateful that President Trump is taking strong action against these terrorist attacks within our country. And I'm glad that Attorney General Barr has designated Antifa a terrorist organization. And you know what? If Twitter wants to criticize me for glorifying violence against terrorists, maybe they ought to look in the mirror and see how they contribute to that violence themselves. When Twitter allows radical ISIS extremists access to their platform to spew their hate and their their just absolute lust for violence, they've got some accountability for that. When Twitter allows these Antifa thugs and these Black Lives Matter protesters who in, in many cases aren't peaceful, who are inciting violence against the cops, when they go and give them a platform to uh, organize and attack and strategize against the people who seek to uphold our laws, then I think they should be held liable for that. And that's one of the reasons why I support President Trump in his tweet to repeal the special liability protections that Twitter and Facebook and Google enjoy that your local newspaper company doesn't enjoy. And I've talked about that in prior episodes, but it seems particularly poignant when Twitter targets the president and they target me because we have an America first view and we have a view that people should be held accountable when they attack our country and cause harm to our citizens. The double standards in the designations of how Twitter determines who incites violence are just so incredibly palpable. They said that my tweet calling for we, the government, the country, to hunt down terrorists, people who the government had designated as terrorists, that that was a national priority and we ought to have the same vigor protecting our own people in our country that we do protecting faraway sand dunes in the Middle East. Well, that was deemed too inappropriate, too inciting of violence by Twitter, and thus they put a label on it. But let's review some of the messages and tweets that Twitter found presumably entirely acceptable. These were the messages that drew no such criticism, no such labeling. Colin Kaepernick says, and I'm quoting, when civility leads to death, revolting is the only logical reaction. The cries for peace will rain down, and when they do, they will land on deaf ears because your violence has brought this resistance. We have the right to fight back. Rest in power, George Floyd. Now, again, George Floyd's own family was not calling for this type of violence, but Colin Kaepernick was, and he seemed to have the full support of Twitter in doing so. Akash Singh, another verified account, tweets, Honestly, if you can, burn down the white neighborhoods so companies are afraid to move back there. Then, after the property values lower enough, buy the neighborhoods mad cheap and rebuild it. This is a real opportunity to flip the gentrification cycle. So, so literally the sickness of a verified Twitter account hoping that white people will suffer some unique harm, some unique disadvantage to the benefit of some other group of people. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. I don't think it's American or patriotic or consistent with our values to say that we hope that any racial or ethnic group suffer so that there could be a benefit to some other ethnic group. But Twitter's got no problem with that and burning down white neighborhoods. The Puget Sound John Brown Gun Club, another Twitter account, tweets, All across the country, 
police are running out of crowd control ammunition and getting surrounded by protesters who outnumber them in magnitudes. These police are finding out that there's a lot more of us than there are of them. Imagine if we were all armed. So again, you know, just someone calling for the intimidation, outnumbering, and physical resistance of the police. But again, I call for our government not to be resisted, but for it to actually take action against our people. And Twitter deems that to be out of bounds. One more. Another verified Twitter account, Femme Feminist. She's responding to celebrity Christy Teigen, who tweets, and keep the same energy when you vote. The worst thing that could happen is that all of this goes for nothing. And Femme Feminist, a verified account, replies, who was president when Trayvon was killed? When Sandra was killed, when Mike Brown was killed, when Freddie Gray was killed. The U.S. is a settler colonial government founded upon and rooted in white supremacy. You don't vote that blank anyway. You burn it down. So literally the advocacy of burning down our society, our government, our history, our institutions. That's okay with Twitter. And frankly, I'm just so sick of the political correctness. I'm so sick of feeling like because I love our country and I hate the terrorists who would destroy our country because I stand with the people who want to follow the law instead of the people who want to break the law because I stand with our businesses who want to invite people rather than the thugs and mobs who want to scare people that I'm somehow that which deserves the condemnation of Twitter. That's BS. That's total garbage. And it's one of the reasons why I think we need reform to the online platform laws that give entities like Twitter so much protection. A quick note on sports. We're starting to see more and more college football programs like at my beloved Florida State University engaging in volunteer student-athlete workouts starting June 1. We're also seeing negotiations in Major League Baseball continue between the players and the owners, and there the progress has not been as notable. There's currently a standstill, and there remains a real question as to whether or not Major League Baseball will in fact occur this year as a consequence of salary disputes. Owners and teams would like to see players take discounted salary as a consequence of reductions in anticipated fan revenue. The players are saying no. We've got a contract to play baseball for a certain amount, and we expect those contracts to be honored. And if there's a risk associated with declining revenue from fewer people coming to the stands, well, that's a risk that the owners should have to bear, not the players. And on this issue, I'm with the players. The coronavirus has not made showing up to work less challenging, less likely to have an injury, less likely to fall ill. If anything, it's a neutral or a negative to the players. And these franchises, their values, their ability to get the taxpayers to build their stadiums, the overall uh, multiples that they're getting on revenue when these assets are sold seem to indicate that the least cost avoider, the entity most able to take the hit, and frankly, under contract, the entity that has agreed to assume the risk for this type of diminution in fan participation and fan spending would not be the players. It would be the owners. I mean, if something fundamentally changed about baseball and all of a sudden there were to be a massive increase in fan attendance or revenue, if something were to happen where every baseball game in America, instead of a bunch of seats being empty, they were all to be full, 
the players wouldn't be able to rush back to the table and say, well, because we're more successful financially as a league, then we're all demanding more pay all at once or none of us are going to play. I think that under such a circumstance, the league would be able to demand those contracts honored. But in this circumstance, uh, they want to be able to essentially balance the budgets of the league on the backs of the workers on behalf of the players. I don't think that's fair. Uh, I spoke with a Major League Baseball player within the last several days who agrees with me that in the concepts of, of equity and justice here financially, and who also predicted that if the owners don't ultimately come closer to the player's position, that this may be a year without baseball. That would be a tragic thing. I hope there's baseball, but I think that's going to take the owners coming off their pocketbooks and being fair to their players. Thanks for listening to Hot Takes with Matt Gates. Please leave us a five-star rating and a review. It helps other people get our content, and it lets us know that you're enjoying the show. Thanks so much. We'll be back tomorrow with more Hot Takes.